0: week, Monster Kid Radio got an email from High Tide Recordings. They were sending me an advanced copy of an EP release from the band The Televisionaries. Now, they've been on the show in the past, and this is their new release, Rama Lama. And from that album, I'm playing the song Bad News on this week's episode of Monster Kid Radio, the podcast devoted to the classic and sometimes the not-so-classic genre cinema of yesteryear. I'm your writer, host, producer, Derek M. Cook. I'd like to welcome you to Monster Kid Radio. How's everybody doing? I'm, I'm pausing for effect so you can actually respond and feel like we're having a conversation. You know, we are having a conversation. In fact, I'm having conversations with so many of you that sometimes people actually call in. Hey,
1: Derek, it's Todd Brown from the Haunted Cinema uh, giving you a call. Uh, listening to the recent episode where we discussed the evil Dracula and it got me remembering that I hadn't talked to you about Psycho. Sorry, I haven't called much lately. I've, uh, since that we did that uh, episode, I sold my house, bought a condo, I've been building my home theater in the basement, uh, getting the haunted cinema going again and keeping that moving. So it's been, life has been very busy between that and work and the, all the other things that I've got going on. But I wanted to get back to, I did finally see Psycho. I actually didn't watch it that night that we've talked. I waited until Halloween season and uh, watched it amazing. I, I can't believe that I had never seen it before it's one of those situations where you see the in the clips the shower scene or whatever the reveal at the end and you think you know the movie and so I just never got around to watching it um, boy am I glad I did it, it is so much more than those few scenes uh, similar the Phantom of the Opera the silent I had never seen that until just recently you know you see the unmasking and, and the same thing blown away by these movies so I wanted to touch base and let you know that I did finally see Psycho uh, and again My my advice to anybody out there is just don't go by what you think you know about a movie from seeing all the different trailers or clips. Uh, There's so much more in these films. Uh, So much fun to explore and find these new, sometimes old movies that I probably should have seen. But so much fun finding these different films. Uh, Again, thanks for everything you're doing. Keep up your great work. Talk to you again. Bye. Bye.
0: I have some other voicemails sitting here, and then we'll get to those, but I wanted to play this one from Todd because Todd was on the show last week when we talked about Evil of Dracula, the third film in the so-called Toho Bloodthirsty Trilogy. Japan does vampires by way of Hammer, and maybe a little bit of Edgar Allan Poe. It was really interesting to view all three of these films with Oren Gray, with Kenneth Height, and then with Todd Brown. I've had a lot of comments on these films over on YouTube. Somebody mentioned that a couple of the bloodthirsty films actually did have a dubbed release, so there are some English language versions of the films out there. I don't know where they are, but you know, I'm a purist, I like my subtitles. Also, Todd I'm glad you liked Psycho. You know what? I don't want you to feel bad. There are plenty of horror films, so-called horror films, that uh, I have not watched myself or just have recently come to them. It took me forever to see The Exorcist. And I only saw the original 1980 film, The Shining, for the very first time not too long ago. Uh, Let's see. If I check the list here that I keep of all the movies that I watch, uh, I watched it on September 30th for the very first time. So... You know what? I get it, man. There are so many movies out there in such little time, especially when, uh, you know, we have to sleep and do all the real-world stuff like moving, holy cow, and setting up a home theater. That's amazing, dude. I hope everything is going well for you, and I appreciate you calling in, man. Oh, and uh, for the record, Phantom of the Opera, so good.
2: Hey, Derek, Steve Sullivan calling in uh, to comment on your... Top three vampire films in the 70s show, which I enjoyed very much. I, you know, until you started talking about it, I didn't realize just how many vampire films and good vampire films that there were in the 70s. And there were certainly a whole bunch of them, uh, including Deathmaster, which I hadn't heard about until I heard a mention of it on a Count Yorga Blu ray this last week and watched it last night. It was, uh, really quite good so add that to your list to check out so here's mine in reverse order Uh, and I'm not going very deep into the 70s as it turns out Uh, number three The Vampire Lovers from 1970 it's Hammer's sexy at its best I like it better than Twins of Evil because there was no one to root for in Twins of Evil everyone is evil so pretty pretty much that eliminates that and if I'm going to go root for evil people I'll root for Carmilla because Ingrid Pitt is like amazing as, as her. So it's really sexy. It's, it's true to the story. I think it's the one film where Hammer really got the mix of sex and monsters really, really right. Number two, House of Dark Shadows. You guys didn't even mention this. I don't know how you didn't mention it. Barnabas, man. 1971, House of Dark Shadows. It's the whole Barnabas story kind of condensed and just the modern parts but it's really cool shows off how good the actors are when they're not having to grind out a new episode every day of the week and it's it's just uh, Stan Curtis in his kind of uh, guerrilla filmmaking mode at its best Night of Dark Shadows is good too but No vampires in that one. So, House of Dark Shadows. And it's a bit sexy, too. A little sexier than the TV show could be. So, you get the props for that. And my number one is 1972's The Night Stalker. Darren McGavin, Vegas Vampire, Barry Atwater, Carol Lindley. A perfect cast. It just doesn't get any better than that. And. It led to the spin-off TV show, and it kind of jump-started the 1970s supernatural stuff, which was honestly pretty much all Dan Curtis is doing because he was translating Dark Shadows into nighttime stuff that he could make more money off of. So we got this, we got Dracula, we got all Jekyll and hide. Anyway, The Night Stalker, it doesn't get better than that. I chose it even over the Dark Shadows movie, though I wouldn't choose it over the show. So there you go. That's my top three. Have a great night, and I will talk to you soon. Bye!
0: Okay, I'll get to the uh, Dan Curtis thing here in a second, Steve. But, you know, I kind of agree with you. With Twins of Evil, it's really hard to root for Peter Cushing. But I think that's kind of the point and why I like it so much. Because he is so delightfully bad. I mean, I almost feel like Cushing's performance, his character in Twins of Evil, is more evil than some of the things that he does as Frankenstein in the Frankenstein films. It's just phenomenal. Count Yorga stuff? Thumbs up for me. Okay, let's talk about Dan Curtis. It occurred to me after I got done recording with Seb that uh, I did not mention anything Dan Curtis-wise. I mean, come on. Barnabas, Dark Shadows, House of Dark Shadows, all that. I mean, it's just phenomenal, fantastic stuff. But I'm going to justify it because, uh, I'm going to talk about Dan Curtis next month for Dan Sember 2019. That is coming here in a few weeks, actually. And, you know, I'm sure we'll talk about Dan Curtis's vampires then, whether it's more Barnabas talk or getting into the uh, Night Stalker stuff. So we'll see. I do have a few other voicemails and emails sitting here, and and you know what? We're going to get to them in future episodes. I just wanted to kind of knock out a couple of those real quick before we get into this week's episode, which I'm really excited about. A while back, Mr. Lobo reached out to me. He sent me a press release announcing the new releases of the Cinema Insomnia DVD series coming out from Alpha Video over at oldies.com, and we had actually set up a time to chat online to get him on the show, and... I blew it. I kind of missed our time to chat and I'm really grateful that Mr. Lobo cut me some slack and rescheduled with me. So that's what you're getting in this week's episode of monster kid radio. We're going to talk a little bit about what Mr. Lobo is up to. Now we're going to talk about OSI 74 and we're going to talk about the DVD series that is coming out from oldies.com and, uh, a good conversation really had a good time chatting with him it will not be the last time i have him on monster kid radio i tell you what i tell you what really uh, i'll need professor frenzy's bedtime stories kenny's look at famous monsters of film land and dr Tung's world of monster collectibles to help me get over what just happened i'll tell you what really
3: The supernatural powers of the evil eye claim still another victim. Its malevolent enjoyment of tantalizing torture hangs threateningly over John Saxon, Leticia Roman, and Valentina Cortesa.
4: Oh, She was always against me! She
3: hated me! Madness, and the maddening aura that destroys reason fills their every breath with the smell of death.
5: have you ever seen a murder before
4: no no I've never seen anything like that never
5: oh stop playing
4: games will you Landini? I don't know what you're trying to do but I know that you're you're involved in this
3: perhaps Nora has seen the killer but how do we know that he hasn't seen her the evil eye like relentless tides reaches out for them, and they defiantly hold ecstasy and horror in their arms and touch lips with terror while the evil eye watches their every kiss and invades their subconscious.
6: I am Dr. Lee Cushing. Welcome to my Chamber of
7: Horrors. Dr. Cushing's Chamber of Horrors is a serialized monster rally novel in the tradition of the classic Universal and Hammer horror films. It's written by Stephen D. Sullivan, the award-winning author of White Zombie, Daikaiju Attack, Manos, the Hands of Fate, and the original chill role-playing game.
2: My goal is to recreate the thrills of the monster versus monster films that we all love. We'll have vampires, werewolves, mummies, psychic twins, and scheming
7: madmen. And that's just in the first storyline. Now you can get Dr. Cushing's Chamber of Horrors and other monster stories sent directly to your email for as little as a dollar a month. For just two dollars, you'll get all the chapters in advance, plus bonus stories and other perks. Sign up now at CushingHorrors.com or visit SDSullivan.com for a Patreon link. I do hope you've enjoyed your visit. Please come again, and remember, the Chamber
3: is always waiting for its next victim. Yorga,
6: Yorga,
3: Count Yorga return.
6: Here is a vampire picture you can really get your teeth into. The Return of Count Yorga. A vampire lover returns from the dead to seek a mate from the living. One never knows when he might
3: encounter some of the more unusual truths that exist in this world.
6: See The Return of Count Yorga in color rated GP. <laughs> That's a
7: it's a show. it's a show. Professor Frenzy, it's a show. Professor Frenzy, show. Welcome to Professor Frenzy's bedtime stories, created especially for Monster Kid Radio. My name is Jerry Green. In this segment, I'm going to tell you a story from EC horror comics. Today's story is rats have sharp teeth. It is from the Vault of Horror number 14, the August-September issue from 1950. It was written by Bill Gaines and Al Feldstein, and the art was by Ghastly Graham Ingalls so sit back and relax while I tell this beady-eyed tale. Small-town historian Abner Tucker knew a lot about the locals in the cemetery. His studies even told him about the valuables people were buried with. He used this knowledge to dig up some of the dead and steal their loot. One night while digging up a rich lady, he was frightened by a rat that jumped out of the grave they've been burrowing in the ground all around the graveyard. He opened the casket and took her emeralds and reburied her. He realized that with his access to old records and diaries, he could find all kinds of loot buried with the local swells. However, as he was leaving the cemetery, he saw a policeman patrolling by the gates. This frightened him and he realized that he could be sent to prison for doing this. He needed a safer way to do his dirty work. So Abner got the job of the caretaker of the cemetery, which came with an old mansion on the grounds. He found a secret entrance to a tunnel beneath the graveyard. He could dig the graves from underground and never be at risk of being seen. However, the tunnel was filled with rats. Rats, hundreds of them, thousands. He identified the location of one famous grave and dug amongst the beady-eyed creatures. He found the casket and opened it to find gold coins and a money belt on the deceased. As he reveled in the gold coins, the rats grabbed and absconded with the money belt. How dare they steal my money, Abner thought. So he fenced off the area he wanted to work in so the rats couldn't get in. Now that he could concentrate on his digging, he identified a new grave to open. He had to dig a long tunnel to get to it and had to build some framing to hold up the tunnel. While he was checking his calculations, the rats escaped their cage and began to chew at the wooden beams that supported the tunnel. Abner reached and opened the rich man's casket and found it full of jewels. Hooray, I'm rich, thought Abner. Wait, what's that noise? Abner heard the beams breaking and finally collapse around him. Abner realized the rats had gnawed the tunnel supports as the soil fell all around him, and he tried to claw his way out with his bare hands. But it was no use. He was buried alive. Above the dying man, the graveyard sat empty, silent, as the rats scurried around their home. The End I hope you enjoyed that vicious little story. Oh, Abner, what are we going to do with you? This story had it all. Spooky graveyards, evil greedy men, dangerous rodents. What else do you want? We get the classic EC horror morality tale. Abner gets his due in the end. The pacing was excellent, and the setup of a local historian using his knowledge to do bad things was brilliant. This is a classic EC horror story. Gastly Graham Ingalls' art is, as usual, scratchy and creepy. He really had a way with making unsettling drawings, even when there isn't anything particularly frightening happening. Abner looks like a studious country gentleman, and totally believable as a small-town historian. And the greedy look on his face as he contemplates his riches make him look evil. And when he is frightened, he looks hopelessly forlorn. As is typical, Ingalls' perspective is often askew. But this just contributes to the unease in the story. All in all, I really like this one. If you're interested in a copy of The Vault of Horror Volume 1, the book can be purchased on Amazon, and you can find a link to buy it on the MKR website. I hope you enjoyed the story. My name is Jerry Green, and you can find me on my podcast, The Professor Frenzy Show, where we talk about new indie comics. And on the same feed, we have Memory Monday, a nostalgia podcast, and Frenzy Piece Theater where we recap and discuss classic comic book stories. You can also catch me on Twitter at Professor Frenzy and search for Professor Frenzy on YouTube where you can find the Professor Frenzy Show and some exciting projects we have coming up. Stay tuned and thanks for listening.
3: Professor Frenzy, it's a show. Professor Frenzy, show. Professor Frenzy it's a show. Professor Frenzy, it's show. <laughs>
4: Baby, dance, come and
8: dance with me Hear the beat of the mountain sea. Ride, baby, ride, come and ride with me Let
4: your feet go easy What do you make of this? Where does the other end go? It dumps into the ocean. It looks exactly like the South American Fantigua fish. I hope you can take one alive, Sheriff. I still believe
6: that a human clawed that girl to death. The Beach Girls and the Monster, starring John Hall, Sue Casey, and the glamorous Watusi Dancing Girls from Hollywood's famed Whiskey-A-Go-Go nightclub. Music by Frank Sinatra, Jr. You got a monster in the surf. Chicks, do you have a problem? You won't have after you meet the monster on the beach. If you see this ghoul, play it cool. Beauties in bikinis. Laughing, singing, surfing, sinning. Beach party lovers making hey, hey in the moonlight while the monster waits and watches. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This one will kill you.
9: Vampires. Werewolves. Zombies.
6: Yes, these things are real. But fortunately for those of us who can afford him, so is Mark Temple.
9: And he's good. Real good. He's a former FBI agent turned freelancer with the knowledge and skills to eliminate your monster problems. And his rates are negotiable.
6: Monster Hunter for Hire, the first volume of The Supernatural Solutions, The Mark Temple Case Files, is now available in both ebook and paperback. Go to tinyurl.com slash temple to buy your copy of Derek M. Cook's latest book.
9: Read about Mark Temple, the experienced professional now available to rid you of your supernatural, ghoulish, and monstrous pests.
6: That's tinyurl.com slash temple. And don't worry, Mark Temple is discreet. Twins of Evil The most fearsome females in horror history. One uses her beauty for love. One uses her lure for blood. Twins of Evil, rated R.
9: Monster Kid Radio presents Dr. Tong's World of Monster Collectibles. Spanning the globe looking for monster goo so you don't have to. Welcome back to another exciting episode of DTWOMC. With the haunting season behind us for another year, it's time to look forward to that jolliest of times, my birthday. No, wait, the holidays. Yes, the holidays. Of course, I'm talking about the holidays. But if you want to give me a little something, my birthday's in the middle of December. Preparing for the holiday gauntlet, we have Thanksgiving, Hanukkah, Ramadan, Tet, Kwanzaa, New Year's, Winter solstice, and of course, Christmas. And I apologize if I forgot some weird Lovecraft or Tolkien holiday in there. But, you know, that's Derek's thing. With all those holidays coming up, it's time to start thinking of other people in your lives. Hint, hint. Here are a few things that may or may not interest the others that you live with. Dateline, the internet! First up, for the Cinna bibliophile in your life, there is Twice the Thrills, Twice the Chills, Horror and Sci-Fi Double Features from 1955 to 1974 by Brian Sen. This is a voluminous tome dealing with, what else, genre double features from their start in 1955 up until 1974. This book is incredibly well researched by Sen and includes great anecdotes from the actors and directors about the film. Nice production notes as well as some great commentary on each and every film. The book was released earlier this year by McFarlane Press and is available through Amazon. And speaking of sales, see how I did that? Barnes & Noble is having a Criterion half-off sale. Yeah, I know this is old news, but if you've been eyeing that Showa-era Godzilla set, get on it. The sale was supposed to end at the first part of August, but I guess no one told the webmaster over at Barnes & Noble, I just checked the site and it's still going. You can also get the Showa set from Amazon for the same price. Make sure you use our link, the MKR one, so we get a little taste of that sale. Now remember back a few months ago when I told you about the Hop Toys Kickstarter and their 12-inch vinyl Earth vs. the Flying Saucer, Saucer Man? And do you also remember that I told you about it after it had ended? Well, here's your chance to get in on the ground floor on their latest and greatest production yet. Toys, which stands for High on Plastic, has launched this last week a new Kickstarter campaign for a 13-inch tall licensed vinyl of... (music) The Roman, from the great B-movie Robot Monster. There are several levels you can contribute at, and they are offering a poster version figure with the skull face in the helmet window. Sign me up. Link will be on the MKR website, or look for the list of links on Facebook. Or if you're feeling adventurous, search Hop Toys on Kickstarter.com. Artist Spotlight. I ran across this artist's imaginative sketches on Instagram some time back. Using the name Chamber of Goo, Spencer Gallagher operates out of Billings, Montana. His character pieces are spot on, blending a love of pop culture, imagination, and I'm thinking a little wizardry into them. They're really like nothing I have ever seen before. He anthropomorphizes everything from haunted houses to old collectible toys, giving them arms and legs and blending it with a great touch of humor and sometimes irreverence. He seems to be boundless in his output as well. If you follow his feed, there seems to be a new and different piece every two or three days. One of my current favorites is a blending of the old and rare Frankenstein speaker with the original box atop robotic legs and dangling from one of the mechanical arms is the super desirable Frankenstein Monster Halloween candy bucket. Head on over to Instagram and give Chamber of Goo a follow. And if you have a hankering to get a piece of wall art, he's on Etsy under the shop name Chamber of Goo Art. Tell him the doctor sent you. Vintage Monster Toys! Up until now, I have been focusing on a particular type of monster collectible. The Remco figures, Big Frankie model kit, or the Paint by Numbers kits that I did last time. This time I'm going to focus on a particularly monstery cartoon that is near and dear to mine as well as I'm sure a lot of other monster kids hearts out there. The Groovy Ghoulies were loosely tied to the Archie cartoon franchise, with the go-between being Sabrina the Teenage Witch. The Ghoulies were her cousins. Released by Filmation in 1970, the series was only on for two years, running for a grand total of 16 episodes. The premise was rather wacky, it was kind of like Laugh-In, with animated monsters. The series followed the hijinks of universal monster wannabes Drac, Frankie, and Wolfie, with the twist being that they were a monstrously musical band. The castle they inhabited, Horrible Hall, was also home to many more gruesome creatures, and in that ghastly cartoony sort of way... There was Bella Legosley, your vampire-inspired telephone operator, Hagatha the Witch, and Sabrina's aunt, who was the cook for Horrible Hall, Dr. Jekyll and Hyde, the two-headed argumentative doctor, an Edwin-sounding mummy, as well as Napoleon Bonaparte, a military hat-wearing skeleton, Ratso and Batso, the mischievous bad monster kids, and Hauntleroy, a spoiled brat of a ghoul kid period merchandise for this series was sparse and short-lived. If you blinked back then, you probably missed it. There seems to be more items on the market now than back when the cartoon was on the air, which actually seems to be very true of everything nostalgic these days. The main collectibles produced for the show included a series of six Ben Cooper Halloween costumes consisting of Drac, Frankie, Wolfie, Bella Ghostly, Hagatha, and Napoleon Bonaparte. All seem to be fairly hard to find in decent shape in this day and age. Another, and what seems to be an easier to find collectible, is a series of four different puzzles produced by Fairchild. There are several different scenes from the cartoons depicted on 60-piece puzzles, and if you can't guess from the piece count, they are for smaller children, 3 to 7. I see raising them kids right on the monsters. Whitman made a magic slate board that is fairly hard to find in good condition, as well as a coloring book. And last but not least are the small 2 inch tall rubber figurals of the characters made by ChemToy. These are highly sought after and can get stupid in pricing depending on which character you need to finish the 9 piece set. These were sold loose in counter dumps as well as on blister cards. Now, if you decide to dive headfirst into these figures, please beware that there are copies being sold on the market presently, I believe as cake toppers. They are direct castings off of the original ChemToy figures. You can tell from the fairly cheap prices on them, as well as the molded bases on their feet. Originals are rubbery, new ones are hard plastic, so please be aware out there. That's most, if not all, of the vintage items I am aware of out there for the Ghoulies. If you know of others, get in contact with me here on MKR. Got any sneak peeks of monster merchandise coming out soon, or feedback on the DTWOMC segments? Drop Derek a line and he'll forward it along to me here at MKR. And if you're interested, you can see what's brewing at my toy shop over on Instagram at Dr. Tongue's Toys, as well as on Facebook under Dr. Tongue's I Had That Shop. Or on my private Instagram account, Monsterman64, to see some of the cool stuff I pick up for my own monster collection. This is Mark Dr. Tongue Peterson saying, pre-happy holidays, everybody. Happy monster collecting. I'm out. Peace! Know if I
0: say it enough here on the show, but I'm going to say it here just in case. I love that you guys and gals want to contribute segments to Monster Kid Radio. Big thanks to everybody who does that. And I want to comment on a couple of things that Dr. Tong that Mark Peterson brought up. So, first of all, the Groovy ghoulies super cool. I love the Groovy ghoulies So, thank you for shining a spotlight on them, my friend. Also, My birthday is halfway through December. I I don't know when your birthday is. I should double check. But uh, December 11th for me, buddy. Just saying. And I do have an Amazon wishlist under my name. Just saying. But most importantly, I wanted to let listeners in the Portland, Oregon area know that this Friday, November 15th, Dr. Tongue, along with Billy Galaxy from Billy Galaxy's Vintage Toys and Collectibles, are hosting a, I guess it's a party, a premiere, a screening of season three of the netflix series the toys that made us it's a premiere screening it's happening on friday from 4 to 6 ish p.m at dr tongs i had that shop over at 7129 northeast fremont street in portland there is an event page set up on facebook that i will include a link to i'm gonna do everything i can to be there myself so maybe i'll see you there and mark i'll see you too
3: the crypt. You are invited on a guided tour of a world of darkness where nightmares become reality. Dead lives. Dead lives in Tales from the Crypt. The vault of horror is about to open. You will learn its terrifying secrets, if you dare. Ah! Tales from the Crypt, from Cinerama releasing, rated PG, parental guidance suggested some material may be unsuitable
10: for pre-teenagers. How often has this happened to you? You're on your way home after a long day when suddenly tragedy strikes.
3: No human mind could imagine the enormous destructive power of this maddened, killing thing. Professor, there's a big lizard back there and he's heading this way. Now get aboard!
10: It's the kind of thing which can ruin your weekend. To prevent catastrophe, you need the Handbook for Surviving a Giant Monster Attack. This book features extensively researched methods to help you survive a giant monster event. You'll discover which vehicle you should use for making your escape, which method of counterattack is best for specific types of monsters,
3: hydrogen weapons, capable of wiping cities, countries off the face of the earth, are completely ineffective against this creature from the skies."
10: And what common mistakes people make while fighting back. So pick up your copy of the Handbook for Surviving a Giant Monster Attack by Anthony Wendell today on Amazon. You can thank us by surviving.
6: Today, modern man is preoccupied by the mysteries of outer space. Scientists are probing farther and farther away from Earth. And yet, here on this very world we live in, are hidden mysteries. Mysteries better left alone. For if they are disturbed, they could destroy the world. And now, an expedition goes to a strange South Sea island. forbidden jungle, to a forbidden village,
4: breaking taboos that anger the gods.
10: Monster Kid Radioheads, this is Kenny with a look at Famous Monsters of Filmland. Today's guest is a modern horror host, so I thought we would take a look at how one of the earliest and most famous hosts was presented in early Famous Monsters. Of course, we are talking about Zachary, Lee, New York City's horror host. He was featured in an article in FM number 4 from August of 1959 entitled All Shock Up, which is six pages long and has eight photographs. Zack is back and the East Coast has got him, announces the title page as we head into the appropriately cornball presentation. The name rhymes with hack her knee, and that's just what Zack is liable to do to his television wife, Isabel, if she doesn't behave bad enough to suit him. He might even sick gas port on her, the unseen monster that he keeps confined in a potato sack. Potatoes, as you know, have eyes and it is rumored that the creature in Zack's sack is actually a giant mutant potato bug with a million eyes. Why else would Isabel reply, that bugs me when he tells her to hit the sack. The Zackerly fans, and they are Legion, are proclaiming their TV leader the coolest ghoul since Bela Lugosi began quenching his thirst with hot evil team. In his previous incarnation, when he was known as Host Roland, Zackerly took fiendish delight in scaring the nightlights out of Philadelphia fans of shock. Then he temporarily disappeared from the Pennsylvania telecasting area and during his absence, a spy for famous monsters reported him as seen vacationing in Transylvania, where he is known to have been the castle guest of a certain distinguished count of a very old bloodline. Hyde-like host Roland rode off as one man and returned as another, but his fame preceded him from Philly to New York via station WABC-TV, proving the old Shakespearean adage that in this ad age, a rogue by any other name will sell. And the Zachary fans are certainly sold on their horror hero. They just feel sorry for the rest of the country that there's only one Zachary and he hasn't gone network. Yet. But they're working on it. The Philadelphia area alone boasted 800 fan clubs for Zach. His New York adorers are bound to boost that figure to at least twice that. The article continues with some excerpts from fan letters and then describes fan reaction in New York. 11 days after he invited his fans to join a creepy club created just for them, he had 13,800 memberships. When he invited cardholders to come to the studio to meet him in person, he anticipated a top of perhaps 2,000. But traffic was blocked for miles around the station when approximately 13,000 boys and girls and grown-ups turned up for the occasion, and everything from skates to Cadillacs. The article concludes with these sack facts. There is no truth to the rumor that in real life this great master of ceremonies is really Zachary Scott, the movie actor. He's a 40-year-old, Pennsylvania-born bachelor who served in World War II as a captain in the quartermaster corps. He saw service in England, Italy, and North Africa. Plenty of real horror. One bit of advice to anxious parents. If you don't want your child to grow up to be a rich, famous, successful monster of ceremonies like Zachary, better let him or her see all the monster movies now, for Zachary has one amazing revelation of his youth. When I was a youngster, my mother never let me see horror movies. Sackerly appears again in FM7 and 15, but we'll save those for next time Derek features a horror host on Monster Kid Radio. That is all for this week's look at Famous Monsters of Filmland. We will have more next week. For MKR, this is Kenny saying adios.
4: Modern screen is the name written in blood. EGA! If I could just call you on the phone. The coat of the ghosts at the side of the toe. Nobody lives on the Brownsville Road. Thrill to the newest recording star, R. Jr. Oh, the scream in this way. See ravishing Marilyn Manning in a thrilling, chilling story. Of the prehistoric giant sees his first girl. Noah. Noah. <inaudible> <Nina.
8: inaudible>
4: Curious newsmen search deep in Giant Country for the last of the ancient cave men. See a tough giant, tamed by the soft hands of his captive woman. See him sacrifice his ageless beard for her love. lose <laughs> her to a boy in a dune buggy, escaping a burning desert. Eegah's primitive passion was love or kill. The ancient language of love used at the beginning of
8: time.
3: Have you heard Black Clock Audio Tales is a daily podcast that reads you a story, either a whole short story or A novel, a chapter or two at a time. Join us for our exploration of old ghost stories, supernatural fiction, horror tales, folk tales, fantasy, gothic horror, weird fiction, and cosmic horror. And don't forget to join us for our monthly show about the Cthulhu mythos at the end of the month. Black Clock Audio on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Facebook. Black Clock Audio Tales, part of darkmyths.org. Thank you. No! Horror. (laughs) No! Horror. Stop it! Horror! The Masters of Horror present the masterpieces of screen horror from 20th Century
0: Fox, Frankenstein Created Woman, and The Mummy's Shroud if I was thinking ahead, I would have double-checked to find out which episode Mr. Lobo appeared on previously, but he did appear on the show once before, many moons ago during my first trip to Monster Bash, and he's back. We've got him back here on the show. Mr. Lobo, welcome to Monster Kid Radio.
11: The planets are aligned, and now Mr. Lobo can finally come back to Monster Kid Radio. Thank you for having me great to be on the show.
0: Oh, it's going to be a great time. I'm looking forward to chatting with you, catching up with you a little bit. A lot's happened for you since you were on the show before. I don't think OSI-74 was even a thing back then.
11: Probably not. I might have been with zombie TV or something else. Who knows? In the 18 years of Cinema Insomnia, there have been so many peaks and valleys and different forms of transmission and satellites and tapes and DVDs. OSI-74 is a streaming uh, television channel for Roku, after my gig with zombie tv ended which was a horror streaming channel i thought well if i could do my own channel why just limit it to just horror stuff it could just be all the weird stuff so we just started looking for all the fun weird stuff and tried to put it all in one place and also i just needed a new base for cinema insomnia you know every two and a half years i have to tell people I'm on a Different channel or a different network, or this is a different way to find me. Cross the railroad tracks and knock on the third bathroom stall, and the guy gives you the secret handshake. And, you know, I just got tired. I wanted to have one place where I could always say, Hey, you can find me here. And so that place is OSI 74.
0: I'm going to miss that guy in the bathroom stall, though. I mean, he gave the best <laughs> handshakes, you know? <laughs> oh, man. Um, the less said about that, the better. Yeah, I should. Let's change. To, yeah, okay. Um, so, like most Roku channels, it's an on demand service. Uh, you can go load it up on your Roku and you can watch multiple episodes of Cinema Insomnia, as well as a handful of other hosted programming. Or oh, many. Yeah.
11: Oh yes, many, many others. We have several incarnations of creature features. We have John Stanley and Bob Wilkins and Vincent Van Dahl episodes of creature features available. There's Monster Madhouse, it's with Carlos Borloff. There's uh, movie Nightmares with Bunny Galore. There's Monster Creature Feature with Ormond Grimsby. Gula Gogo is on there. Uh, We have a a new animated horror host called Dead West. He does a show called Screaming Soup. There's just a lot of really weird and different horror hosts, you know, and and not just horror hosted shows. But yeah, we do have a ton of horror hosts. Sleazy P. Martini from Guar has a show where he hosts exploitation movies called Sleazy Pictures After Dark. Yeah, there's just so much. There's a lot of a lot of weird stuff. But we have cartoons on there, and we have just noir movies on there. We have one-off weird shows, cult movies, TV, just a lot of a lot of stuff.
0: You've got cult movies, TV episodes on there, huh? That's great. I didn't know. Yeah. That.
11: We have the whole series. Oh. The whole series of Cult Movies TV. Uh, cult Movies magazine in the 90s, well, that was my famous Monsters magazine because I was in my early 20s in the 1990s. And when we were putting together all our schemes and plans, we were reading Cult Movies magazine. And Buddy Barnett, who is the publisher, he did a public access television show where they would interview... B-movie stars, they interviewed Forrey Ackerman, they interviewed people like uh, John Lazar and, you know, all kinds of Titus Moody. And
0: I think there was an episode with Yvette Vickers, wasn't there?
11: Uh, y- Yvette Vickers, all those episodes, those are basically the entire run of the show is available on uh, OSI 74. Oh, and uh, oh, all the subgenius content, the church of the subgenius, they've given us a tremendous amount of material for the channel. And we have stuff from trauma on there. There's stuff from paranoia magazine. A lot of people from a lot of fringe outlets giving us great, wonderful
0: content. It's fun to watch, but it's also, I think important because It gets archived there. It's being saved and shared with people who have never even heard of it before, maybe have heard about it, but haven't had a chance to watch it all. Like I knew what the cult movies TV was, but I haven't seen very many episodes of it. So now I'm excited to dig in and check out all the episodes on the channel. I mean, it's just great to have it all there as a repository as well as an active channel.
11: It's very important because, you know, we have to have a new generation of people who find this stuff, you know, Uh, and uh, I think that that's why it's a free channel. You know, I'm trying to cultivate a community of people who like this sort of thing. And if someone is into my show or if someone is into a show like Cult Movies TV or one of the other shows, it's great to say, here's a place where you can find it and be able to watch them on your
0: television. It's a very cool. And how often does uh, new content go up?
11: As often as possible. You okay. know, sometimes it gets slow. Sometimes it gets fast. It's really interesting because sometimes I feel like all my producers will just like, and it's usually in the wintertime. They'll all come out of their holes and go, oh, I got a ton of episodes to give you. Oh, I got a ton of shows to put up on the channel. And and that's kind of happening right now. Uh, I think everyone is they've, they've got all their summer obligations with conventions and all their preparations for Halloween. And so we do have a lot of new content going up right now uh, on the channel. And and usually on the weekends, I try to have something new on there. So if, if you watch the channel and you're patient, this year was particularly rough for the channel because we had two server crashes and a server hack this year. We had to rebuild the channel three times. So that has slowed down new content. And there's still a lot of the original content that we're still moving over. But right now, if you were to go on there, there'd be at least 400 things that you could look at at this moment. There's probably 400 more waiting to get get put up.
0: (laughs) Well, there you go. Listeners, if you find yourself needing about 400 hours of time to fill, (laughs)
11: <laughs> or, more, actually, or more actually yeah. because a lot of those shows are two and a half hours long
0: <laughs> that's amazing and i i didn't know about the server crashes that's unfortunate but that's great that you're still rebuilding and still keeping it going you said it's a free channel but i'm imagine there's merch right
11: oh yeah uh, absolutely we have two things that we do we have a patreon uh which is i believe it's patreon.com/ Outer Space International, which is what OSI stands for, and for the Patreon, we only basically want people to say, "Hey, if you like the content, give us a dollar a month." But people do give more than that. And then for everything else, we have a store. So if you go to the OSI74.com/store, again, we have to we had to rebuild that website too because that all that all crashed. Also, we're not up to full strength with the website, but the store is there. There's a store Envy shop. You can get a OSI-74 t-shirt, OSI-74 sticker, and those things all help towards uh, the operational costs of the channel. Um, the important thing about OSI-74 from a philosophical standpoint is that we don't own anyone's content and we don't control anyone's content. Everyone is, has a free hand to do whatever they want with their content above and beyond it being on the channel. Um, the other side to that is is that we don't have a budget, <laughs> you know. So basically, it's only it's only as big as. People want it to be, and obviously, the, the the more resources we have, the more things we can bring them. I have walls and walls and walls of content that uh, eventually I hope to upload to the channel. You know, not just public domain stuff, but things that people have given me that have said, "Look, I made this horror movie in 2012. I, <laughs> I've tried to distribute it, and I can't. I think it's pretty darn good. I'd love to see it on the channel, and we'd love to see it on the channel. So there's just so much that can be done. I do like the idea of there being kind of a free collective of people doing everything on the channel is either weird or funny or retro or some combination of weird funny and retro and that contains a lot of stuff but the important thing is that it's not stuff that you're going to find on disney plus You know, it's not stuff that you're (laughs) going to find on Apple TV. I mean, this is like if you want to see the underground, if you want to see the grassroots, you know, indie movies are very sexy. Everyone talks about indie filmmakers. You know, there's a Sundance Film Festival and there's the Independent Film Channel, Independent television is such a like wild west it's such a weird world it doesn't get that kind of respect and a lot of that stuff that's made on the independent video level just gets lost so it's really cool to be able to try to collect a lot of that stuff on osi 74 and and to build that community and build that audience and like okay if there's only five hundred thousand people who like this garbage we can find them all and call them all together and they can find us
0: so I was doing some checking. It's patreon.com slash outer underscore space underscore international. I'll make sure there's a link in the show notes, of course. And then Thank you. OSI74.com takes you to the, the main website where you get to see a picture of Mr. Lobo wearing a construction helmet uh, <laughs> saying pardon our space dust, uh, yeah. probably referencing the server issues he's had. Yeah, yeah. But but here there are links to all the different shows, the Patreon page, the shop, that sort of thing. And when you go to the Patreon page, I love that the banner you've got across the top here. I mean, it looks like an old school TV guide ad I, I, or, or page. I love it.
11: I think that the branding was really important. We wanted people to feel like this is something I've seen before. This is something from my childhood. We wanted it to have that kind of a feel. And so we, we tried to give everything and an optimism because I think a lot, especially with horror stuff, there's always that kind of like depressing heavy metal sex dungeon uh, vibe on everything. And I really <laughs> wanted something that was real, like colorful and future forward. is a little more positive focus just because I feel like people need more fun. And and I think, you know, even horror movies are supposed to be fun at their core. And I think that we got to remind ourselves that we're, that we're in it for the fun. If it's not fun, what, why, why even, why bother?
0: Yeah. I mean, what's the point? And, and I don't know if you still use this tagline or not, but when I was Googling OSI 74, the first thing that comes up is the phrase, we want you to be nostalgic about the future again. And, and I, lo- <laughs> I mean, that I think really sums it up with what you're doing here. Well, you
11: know, everyone likes to draw that line in the sand and says, oh, nobody's doing anything good anymore. Or, oh, kids today don't like the stuff that we had or blah, blah, blah. And when I was at Monster Bash, I won the four Award, award. No, oh, I, I was
0: going to get to that, man. I was going to get to that because that's awesome.
11: But, you know, one of the things I said is that everyone likes to feel like part of this is that we all grew up with this feeling of being marginalized, you know, and we're trying to carry on that. Oh, you know, nobody understands this. And this is something just for us you know yeah you know we have this amazing technology that we're so connected we can't pretend that we're in our basements alone and you know everybody hates us and nobody likes this stuff there's a huge community of people who love this stuff and are out in the open and we need to come together as a community and push this stuff into the future because this stuff was old when we found it you know when i found frankenstein he was already 50 years old you know what I'm oh, saying? Sure, yeah, when I yeah. found Godzilla, he was already 20 or 30 years old. This stuff was old when we found it. And and there's always another generation. You know, it's just like Night of the Living Dead. Every time that movie comes out, another kid finds it. Godzilla, another kid, fi- every some eight-year-old finds Godzilla every year. You know, we can't just color it in this very negative, you know, okay, we're these marginalized fans from a bygone era and uh, you, you kids get off my lawn. We just got to <laughs> stop.
0: I, and that's why I do what I do. I mean, I love sharing my love for the classic and not so classic, you know, here on Monster Kid Radio and reaching out to people and introducing you know, movies and going to events and going to conventions. I mean, it's all about kind of sharing the love because you're going to find like-minded people or people who are willing to become like-minded people that love this stuff because it's all great stuff. Absolutely.
11: And you've got one of these
0: awards too for your work in that area. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so let's talk a little bit about that. You were at the October Monster Bash.
11: Yes. Yeah, I hadn't been to Monster Bash in a while because I've just been too, so busy. I mean, I've been getting gig after gig and I've just been missing it and I, and missing it on a personal level i've been missing my friends and and fans and i usually don't do the october one but things align differently in october for me and i thought well i'll just do the october one instead And boy, am I glad I did.
0: Yeah, no kidding. I I don't get a chance to go to the October 1 because I'm all the way out here in Oregon. I mean, making that trip is a challenge sometimes just to get there for the summer. It's totally worth it. Don't get me wrong. But, you know, I can't do it twice a year. So I have to rely on posts and and pictures and and reports from other people telling me what happened at the bash. And when I found out that you got the Forey, the Life Achievement Award, I mean... Not just as a televised horror host, but getting involved in documentaries, film, doing OSI seventy four, doing all this work that you do. Congratulations, man!
11: Well, it's very kind of you to say. Like I said, I feel like I've got something to really live up to. You know, I mean, I mean, this is a special award because it's given to you by your own. I mean, this is given to you by the fans, and the fact that it's the graven image of Forey Ackerman as Frankenstein. Stein, right. I guess.
0: Sculpted by Daniel Horn, no less. I mean, come Oh, on. so
11: wonderful. Yeah. It's so wonderful. It's like, it looks like something on yeah. a mad magazine. And what that embodies, that spirit, I mean, Forrestine Ackerman certainly had this spirit of openness, the spirit of wanting to teach everyone, wanting to show everyone, oh, here's Dracula's ring. And oh, here, let me tell you the story. And You know, let me show you my bring into my house and show you my 70,000 posters that I have or my (laughs) 100,000 books that I have. Yeah. You know what I mean? I feel like it's so much to live up to because everything that we have now in the convention culture, the collector's culture, I feel like we owe so much of that to Forrey Ackerman. I mean, he was the first fanboy. He coined the phrase sci-fi. He used to get in arguments with Lovecraft and, and Brad Perry. You know, before there were internet forums, he was arguing in the editorial columns and magazines with these guys.
0: He was one of the first cosplayers for crying out loud. One I of mean, the
11: first cosplayers. I mean, come on. You know, it created Vampirella, you know. It just it just doesn't stop, you know. Editor of Famous Monsters magazine. So to look at that and the bar that that sets and what that represents and what that represents the fans and you know, how much people love Uncle Forey and cite him as their gateway into all of this, you look at what that award really represents and you're like, oh, 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 crap, I've got a lot of work to do. I've got to get busy. I have to earn this honor because symbolically this means something very, very, very important.
0: It's Still, kind of mind blowing. I mean, I, I've got my fourie kind of looking over my shoulder here, where I record Monster Kid Radio, and uh, I know that uh, I had this conversation a lot with Josh Kennedy, who also got a fourie award right after I did. He's much younger than both of us, but I mean, we're not that old. I mean, we've got a lot left to do now. We've mm-hmm. got this Lifetime mm-hmm. Achievement Award. It's kind of like, well, now we gotta we gotta earn it. We gotta pay it off. It's pretty mind blowing and and humbling. And uh, I mean, it's still. I think my most treasured award that I've received doing my podcasting stuff, you know, doing this stuff. You should be very proud of it. And, you know,
11: you're doing doing the great work. You're spreading the word and you're delivering the word and you're helping pass on this fandom and taking it to the next place, the promised land where where we're all going to be. For me, it's like, you know, I'm I'm approaching 50 years old. I've been doing cinema insomnia for 18 years, and I still feel like the baby in this crowd.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you know?
11: Yeah. So getting a Lifetime Achievement Award, I, you know, usually it's sort of Lifetime Achievement is like, okay, all right, enough already. You're done. And <laughs> it's like... I like to think I'm just getting started. I'd like to think that there's some undiscovered country that I can't even think of right now that is going to turn this entire mess that I call a career into something uh, shiny and new. I don't know. (laughs) It's interesting. But it was great. It was wonderful. I was not expecting anything like that. And I was already having such a great time just because... I kind of cut myself loose and kind of forced myself to go just because I wanted to reconnect with everybody. And because I was there and kind of there in a, I don't know, I wanted to mingle more and I wanted to talk to people more. And a lot of times I'm I'm just too busy and I don't really get to enjoy the show as much. And I really, this time, I did that thing that I don't often take the time to do where it's to like try to talk to as many people as I can. And go to a lot of my different colleagues' tables. and so it was nicer in a lot of ways. And I think my attitude was a little different because i like I said, I was there in a much more relaxed capacity. But it was so exciting to feel more connected to everybody just because I was talking to everyone more. But also it was so wonderful to feel so welcomed. You know, everybody hadn't seen me in a little while and it's like a family reunion. Everyone is just so welcoming and kind and interested in what you're doing. And then when Ron is like, Okay, well, we gave one of these to another horror host a few years back, the son of Ghoul. And there's another horror host. That, I hope he's in the audience. And I'm looking around. I'm like, oh, oh, there's another horror host here. And I'm like, <laughs> turning, craning my neck around, trying to see who he could be talking about. And then when he says, Mr. Lobo, come get your forey. And I was just like, no, Ron. No,
0: no. I had the same reaction, man. I yeah, I don't know if you've seen it, but I've got a YouTube video where I'm getting called up on stage. And as a podcaster, you'd think I'd have plenty of words at my disposal, but I had very few at that point. <laughs> I, I just didn't believe it.
11: Yeah, I kind of ran out of the mouth a little bit. I remember kind of trying to take on as much of those feelings in the room as possible and try to put them into words, not only for myself, but. For anyone who had come up there and maybe didn't have words or couldn't spit out the words. So I really tried to force myself to try to keep some clarity and to try to, to say those words for people who maybe can't say anything, you know. And, and I tried to speak as much for the group as possible, talking about what it means to be appreciated and to find your tribe, because that's what it is for a lot of people. When you come to a convention like that, you really find your people. You find the people who care about the things that you care about. It is a different kind of club, you know, that you're in. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So it was just something important to say that, look, this is something that we're all experiencing together. This is something that we're all pushing forward. We're all the children of Creature Features We've all earned this award in some way or another, keeping this this stuff alive because we love it so much, you know? Yeah. I think one thing that I said that people kept repeating to me on Sunday was, it's a disease that infects you when you're eight years
0: old and there's no cure. Yeah, exactly, right? (laughs) Yeah, as soon as you discover this stuff, man, it's just part of you.
11: And I think that that's what we all share. We all got that infection when we were eight years old. We were all suffering with this disease. But we're all loving every minute of it. So that I think, I, like I said, that's a probably poor summation. I, I think someone caught it on video, but hopefully I didn't ramble too much. But I did feel like it was important just because that is my job to talk to people. And yeah. I mean, so I figured that I would try to use that and try to be as grateful as possible and to actually let people know that I don't take it lightly, that I do understand what that honor represents
0: well and you just said something i think pretty important and spot on that you were trying to speak for those of us who either couldn't speak for ourselves or whatever and that's that's a lot of what you do as a horror host you're speaking for the people who love these movies but then you're speaking for the movies themselves as well and man i don't want to be cured of this disease either you know i just love it <laughs> you know?
11: absolutely absolutely yeah.
0: It's a real pleasure to uh, share the Forey spotlight with somebody like you, man. So again, congratulations. It's just really cool.
11: We're in the Forey club, that's so right. this is exciting. We're gonna have like matching leather jackets or something.
0: <laughs> so the next time we go to bash, it's like a special green room set aside for us. Is that how that works? You know. Uh huh.
11: <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> Lots of cheese on tap.
0: <laughs> nice, nice. Well, there's a whole bunch of other stuff that I want to talk with you about, Mr. Lobo. Sure. But, but there is something that we do here on the show every time we have somebody on. I wasn't doing it the first time I met you at a Monster Bash years ago. So this will be the first time that you have an opportunity to play a game with us here on Monster Kid Radio. Oh, wonderful. It's called the Classic Five. I've got a deck of cards here. Each card has a this or that which movie do you prefer style question it's all about classic monster movies there are no wrong answers it's just a way to kind of break the ice or keep conversation going are you ready to play around to the classic five mr lobo
11: i'll do my best all right my, my brain's a little mushy from october but i will do my best
0: i feel you i feel you all right here we go card number one right off the top Ooh, mr lobo who do you prefer christopher lee or peter cushing if you had to pick one
11: peter cushing yeah i think so
0: any particular reason why over Lee?
11: I think that Christopher Lee has an intensity that is really strong, but I think that Peter Cushing can go from being the most sinister, awful son of a, you know, that you've ever met, to <laughs> being so sweet that he can break your heart. Like, I think of, like, the is it, isn't it it Tales from the Crypt 72? Oh, yeah. Where he gets all the Valentines? That, that's the yeah. one, right? Yeah, that is. I mean... I can't imagine a sweeter old man in that. And I can't imagine Christopher Lee being that soft and that sweet. So I I feel like maybe Peter Cushing just maybe have a might have a wider breadth. OK, that. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I love I mean, that's an impossible question. But oh, I, know, I, I, I mean, <laughs> but I and then the other thing I think is that I'm such a Star Wars fan, man. I mean, I feel like, you know, Grand Moff Tarkin. Has got to count for something.
0: Tarkin ranks above Dooku, is what you're saying here?
11: I'd rather step in Tarkin before stepping in Dooku, there for sure. Go.
0: There you go. <laughs> Alright, card number two. What is your go-to film to introduce someone to classic monster movies? Mm,
11: that's tough. Um, go-to film for classic monster movies.
6: I would say Creature from the Black Lagoon.
0: My man.
8: No! No!
6: sheer stark terror grips you in underwater 3d in creature from the black lagoon the most terrifying monster of the ages rises from the sea raging with pent-up passion making every man his mortal enemy every woman's beauty his prey creature from the black lagoon in 3d starring richard carlson and julie adams every horrifying scene leaps out of the screen right at you a universal re-release rated g
11: for whatever reason i think it's maintained the most relevance I think I think the monster is the most effective, and I think it's one of those ones that I think it transcends age, male, female. I think it's just a good, solid movie no matter who you are, and I think it really brings you in. and And it still has all the classic elements where you have this kind of enormous sympathy for the creature, but there's still a lot of real scares and real excitement, and the creature just seems a hundred percent real. I mean, you just buy him. As a monster, you know, I think he still looks good. He still is effective as a monster. Just the fact that I feel like it ages really well. I think it's a good, solid movie. I mean, from a personal level, one of my favorites is The Invisible Man, Mm -hmm. you know, but I don't know if that would be the first universal monster that I would show someone.
0: You know, like I said, Creature's my favorite. So, yeah, you can never go wrong with Creature as far as I'm concerned. All right. So card number three is going to come from our Monster Bash expansion deck. Who has been your favorite celebrity guest to meet at a Monster Bash?
11: Whoa! Celebrity guest at Monster Bash specifically, yeah,
0: yeah. I mean, you can say me if you want, but you know that was so long ago.
11: (laughs) (laughs) Oh yeah, Derek. Yeah, you know, I think you're probably (laughs) no, 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 no. certainly the most humble.
0: Uh huh. Well, yeah, you
11: know. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> of the guests that I've met. It's it's really difficult. You know, there's a lot of amazing people that I've met at Monster Bash. And some of those people I've met at other shows before Monster Bash. Yeah, I don't want to tell tales out of school. But there's a lot of people that were amazing to meet, but they're like a little prickly. Mm-hmm. or And they've got sort of quirks about them that you just kind of navigate. But I have to say, going back to the thing that I was saying before about Cult Movies Magazine... Meeting Buddy Barnett, the publisher of Famous Monsters magazine, that's not as exciting to say as, you know, Tom Savini or something like that. But to be honest, it was a really big deal for me to meet him because he was like my Uncle Forey. you know. Mm -hmm. I mean, I read that magazine so faithfully. I mean, Famous Monsters, the first issue of Famous Monsters that I bought had a Tuscan Raider on the front of it. You know what I mean? Sure. So, I mean, I liked Famous Monsters a lot, but it wasn't the magazine it was in the 60s, in the 70s, you know? And they didn't make too many issues into the 80s. Don't remember seeing them on the newsstands at all in the 80s. So, you know, all of my experience with Famous Monsters has been through back issues um whereas cult movies magazine i was buying them brand new off the newsstand and i was i was hanging on every issue so meeting buddy and and talking to him and collaborating with him on the channel buddy has not only given us cult movies tv he gave us space babes meet the monster he gave us the uh vampire hunters club for one of our halloween specials you know so it, for me it was cool to meet him okay that's not that's not going to win any points with anybody for, for, on a personal level, I was extremely excited to meet him. And the dividends of our friendship and everything has been amazing. So hey. I, I feel that that would be the person I was the most excited to meet at Monster Bash.
0: So, okay, we're getting back to the game here in a second, but am I to understand correctly? Vampire Hunters Club, is that available on OSI 74 right now? Yes. Oh my. Is. I've always wanted to see that. I've never been able to find it.
11: There's a Cinema Insomnia vampire special which contains that movie.
0: Okay. Because that's a, a John Agar performance that I wanted to see. Yeah, but.
11: yeah, and Forry Ackerman and Bob Burns, it's basically the monster kid, monster squad happening there. Oh,
0: man. Well, you know what? I'm going to stack the deck because I know I have a card like this. So for my fourth card, my fourth question, who do you prefer, John Agar or Nick Adams?
11: Whoa. <laughs> Gee whiz. <laughs> Uh, uh-huh. John Agar, I feel like, probably saved the world more. Wouldn't you say that John Agar oh, yeah. probably saved the planet more? Oh yeah. We have maybe a deeper debt to John Agar just on that standpoint, because I feel like he saved the planet so many times. He's probably the most decorated civilian on planet Earth. Uh, but Nick Adams, for sheer random white guy to put in your Japanese movie... <laughs> I feel like he gets should get something too. I'm gonna go with John Agar. I'll Fair go enough. with John Agar.
0: The the amount of material out there, Nick. Amount of material. Than, you know. I
11: would say I would say John Agar. Like I said, just because he's just saved our saved the planet so many times.
0: Sure, sure. I'm also a John Agar fan, so I love mm-hmm. Nick Adams. I just John Agar. You know. Mm-hmm. Kind of have John All right.
11: We did a bit on Cinema Insania where Mr. Lobo is has this. Uh, it's supposed to be a, a spoof of the Mill Creek collections. Uh-huh. And it, it was sci fi by the pound 4,000 horror movies for four bucks. <laughs> <laughs> and almost all of them had John Agar <laughs> in them.
0: Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> all right. Final card, uh, fifth card. We're going to take this from the Kaiju expansion deck. Who's your favorite Godzilla foe? Okay.
11: Well, I'm gonna have to say this. Okay. Mecha Godzilla. Nice. I love Mecha Godzilla and it's just a classic. You have the you have your original and then you have your Android version battling them. I would love to see Mecha Godzilla in a new movie. I think it would be great.
0: That's the rumor that when we do see the new the next legendary film that there will be a mecha Godzilla appearance. Uh, that's the rumor.
11: Now what do we think is going to happen? Whenever you have like let's say Frankenstein versus the werewolf, you'll throw Dracula in there too sure. usually, right? Sure. So that's usually what you do when you've got, we've got Batman versus Superman. Oh, we'll throw Wonder Woman in there because how do you have a surprise when you're already giving away 90% of the plot with the title of the movie? The only way (laughs) to have a surprise is to have a third character show up that no one is counting on. Right? Right. Sure. So is it going to be Godzilla fighting King Kong and then, Mecha King Ghidorah shows up and then the two of them have got to freaking work together to freaking put that (laughs) awful thing back in its place. Because that's what I think is. I want to put my bets on right now. That's what I think is going to happen.
0: You know, I I hadn't considered that uh, a Mecha Ghidorah. Um,
11: I don't want to spoil this for anyone, but the end of of mm -hmm. the King of Monsters, they have a piece of Ghidorah right? Yep, yep. And the and, and the piece just grows, right? I mean, really, the piece can just, so really he could maybe grow a whole Ghidorah back. We don't know he can't.
0: Sure, sure, and if you really look in the end credits when they're flashing all the newspaper articles, one of them does talk about, like, a, an android or a mechanical robot being seen somewhere, so,
11: you know? Oh. So, the, the, the rumors, oh. yeah,
0: so rumors are, uh, but man, a Mecha Ghidorah just sounds terrifying.
11: Yeah, the, uh, making him Mecha just seems like overkill, but you know, you got to go there.
0: He did have a metal head in one of the like, Heisei films, but yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
11: Oh, no, I know. I mean, he always, they, I mean, Mecha Ghidorah goes back. I mean, sure. I actually actually like in the, well, he's also, what, Monster Zero, Monster X. He's got yeah. more names than any other. Ghidorah, Gidra, <laughs> yeah. King Gidra, King Ghidorah, Mecha, you know. Uh, sure, there's sure. so many versions of him. The thing in... Final Wars, where we're like what you thought were maybe like shoulder pads or whatever in Monster X. And then they like turn into like two more heads. And then we basically are dealing with a a Mecha Ghidorah Mm -hmm. in that movie, Mm -hmm. right? So Ghidorah, I, I, I guess what, it all goes back to Destroy All Monsters, because you've got a three-headed monster. It makes sense that if all of the monsters are going to fight somebody, the guy with three heads makes the most sense.
0: Which is something that, uh, you know, I keep close and near and dear to my heart as I go through my day. You know, if I ever, <laughs> if I ever find myself in a situation with a three-headed <laughs> wow well that was the classic five mr lobo thanks for oh <laughs> sorry i
11: spun i got too far off i got no, he activated man. me activated me with all those questions
0: no that's that's the point of the game though It's it's just fun to talk monsters with people with fellow monster kids you know i haven't yeah. talked about kaiju stuff with anybody in a while so i mean to To throw some of that in there when you mentioned Godzilla earlier, like, okay, I got to pull one from the Kaiju deck. So, yeah, that's that's great. This was fun for me. Uh, And I think the listeners will dig it, too. And I think they'll also really enjoy the new DVDs like that segue. I've been working on Oh, that
11: was so good. Yeah, (laughs) that was an amazing. It was like one of those two wheeled things that you try to keep your balance on that kind of segue. (laughs) Exactly. That's how smooth that was.
0: Yes. Yes. Uh, So, yeah, new DVDs. Yes.
11: Okay. All right. So Alpha Video in the 90s. Now, this would have been the time, same time I was reading my cult movies magazines. Mm-hmm. That same time, there was Alpha Video, and the, and Alpha Video always had the best DVD covers. They were like the primo public domain content <laughs> uh, oh, distributor. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, I, I've got my tear-stained copy of Attack of the Giant Leeches and <laughs> – uh, you know a uh, uh, little shop of horrors and oh, yeah. you know I've been living out in Pennsylvania for a while now and Steve Kaplan who is the I don't know if he's CEO or CEO COO or I don't know I don't know exactly how many O's or how many C's he has but he runs Alpha and I saw, I kept seeing him at Blobfest and seeing his kids and his kids started getting interested. And I'm, I'm pretty much blaming his kids for getting me this deal. Okay. But his kids <laughs> got kind of interested in Mr. Lobo as a horror host. Uh huh. And he had put out the Penny Dreadful Dr. Gangrene crossover DVD. Oh,
0: uh, yeah. The, the Halloween special they did. Yeah. Which is great.
11: Penny, what was it called? The Dreadful Hollow Green special. Anyway, he put that out, which I thought was great. I had had a DVD distributor out in California and I thought it would be great to be on Alpha. But, you know, I didn't want to push too hard because it's a different world now. You know, I wasn't quite sure if they were interested in picking up new horror host content or not. But, you know, we had an initial meeting. And one of the things he said is that, well, we already put out a lot of these movies. You know, we're not that excited about necessarily having a competing product with the same movie, Um And so if you had something that had movies that we don't have or movies, this and that. But what was interesting as things went on, again, mainly I'm thinking probably because of his kids, he was started to really realize that this isn't a competing product because what we do with the movie makes it different. I think the other thing that was really motivating to them is that a lot of my old DVDs were going for big money on eBay, You know, $65 to $100 for some of the titles that used to be sold on DVD. And anyhow, when I was out in California this year doing my tour, I was out on the road for two months doing conventions and film shows. We filmed two live Cinema Insomnia episodes in front of an audience in a movie theater. Wow. And we got a call saying, let's put out a line of DVDs, you know, not a special, not a one-off. Let's talk about putting out a line of Cinema Insomnia DVDs out when you get back to Pennsylvania. So I met with them and they had a list of 10 DVDs that they wanted to start with. We talked about how we would want to market them and how we would want to release them. And one of the things that I thought was interesting that I would have never done is that they put two specials out back to back. They wanted to put the, and they did, they put the Haunted House special out first and then they immediately followed it up with the Bob Wilkins Halloween special. And then they put out Ega and like in my mind, I was thinking, I don't understand why you would do two specials right off the bat. And then your first hosted movie and have it not be a horror movie. But I'm seeing the wisdom of it now because having the two releases come out without a movie at all, it really got everyone accustomed to me as a character and my humor and all of the interstitial stuff, all the trailers and the commercials and the comedy skits. And so it alchemated this new audience or this or potentially different audience, the alpha video, the DVD collector audience uh, or their particular niche of DVD collectors, getting them kind of interested in acting of me on my own and then introducing here's a movie and hey it's not even a horror movie just to show people what i can do as a host so the three ended up being their best sellers for that month when they came out we had the number 1 number 2 and number 3 slot with our dvds that's fantastic uh, when they released you know and i was really worried because i'm thinking to myself these are people who are who love movies but maybe may not love horror hosts and i was also worried because you know, DVDs are more of a collector's market now. It's not a mainstream medium. It's a specialized medium. You know, you've got people Mm -hmm. who collect VHS, you've got people who collect vinyl. This has become kind of that same sort of like, it's either nostalgic for me or I have a personal collection. This is shelf candy for me, you know? So I didn't know, you know, how do we reach those kinds of people with this kind of content and would people want to collect these in that way I think that the artwork really helped the artwork is they're almost like trading cards Al Landron who did the art now again Alpha Video has like the best art department of all time oh yeah as far as DVD releases go and they came up with something so they said that there was a big challenge for them because they tried to put out artwork that didn't look like something we'd already done DVD wise And they took the most inspiration from the spook show poster that Dixie made for Blobfest. So it has kind of almost a lithograph kind of look, Uh, real limited colors, really bright, vibrant. It's got me in the corner pointing at the imagery behind me. Mm -hmm. And then across the top, it says, Mr. Lobo's Cinema Insomnia. And we'd never done it that way. It was always Cinema Insomnia. Sometimes it would be Cinema Insomnia with your host, Mr. Lobo. But they wanted to do it more like Dr. Terror's Horrors of the Unknown. You know what I mean? They wanted to put me in, you know, Dr. Evil's, you know, World of the Imagination. They wanted to put my name in front of Cinema Insomnia and market that presentation of it. So Cross says Mr. Lobo's Cinema Insomnia and then it's got me down in the corner and then they're all these very like high contrast, vibrant, poster print looking covers, and they're all formatted in that same way. So they all look great together. It's like I said, I, I said trading cards before, but that, maybe that's not a good analogy. But you know, if you're if you're collecting your comic books or your trading cards, and they all kind of have a similar framework to them as far as how the art is nested inside of it, but there's all of the issues have a similar form to them, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and color palette to them. And I think that this is the same with these. You know, the discs are really nice. There's art throughout. There's humor to the art. Like, you know, there's little like hidden jokes in the art. For me, I'm like so happy. You know, usually with the DVD releases we've done, we've always done the art ourselves. And a lot of times of the other responsibilities that we have, we don't get to 100% focus on the art. Or when we do have putting all this work in the art, sometimes we're not putting enough work <laughs> into the show so that we can do all of our marketing. So it was really nice to have them hand be handling the distribution and the marketing of these DVDs. You know, I've been self-publishing my DVDs for a few years now, in between distrib- distributors, and it, I didn't realize how much work it was taking away from the show, as far as creating art, authoring DVDs, uploading art, uploading DVD material, getting a proof back, you know, approving that, getting discs made. Being able to have a distributor and having them have basically as essentially having a warehouse of your content that you have access to having an art department that it, their only job is to make your material look good and then you can say yes more of that or less of that or can we tweak these colors or add this so the whole experience has been really great the second three episodes that we put out which again is like i would have never put these ones as the next ones it was dick tracy meets gruesome <laughs> santa claus conquers the martians And oh, Monster from Prehistoric Planet, there's your kaiju right there. There you go. You know, these are three very different episodes. We still haven't done the straight horror ones yet, which again sort of puts me in a different category. And I guess that is one of the things that separates Mr. Lobo from a lot of the other horror hosts is that we do a lot of other kinds of content, you know, not just horror movies. So we have these three, they look great, they're fun. And then coming up, this is going to be a scoop because these haven't been announced yet. Uh oh. Okay. But we've got for this month, we have Wasp Woman and Voyage to the Prehistoric Planet.
0: Fantastic.
11: So those two are coming out this month. So it's really only been three months. Um, They're they're like the all ten are going to be out by the end of the year. And then they're already looking at what the next ones will be. So if sales continue to be good, um, they'll just keep adding more onto the back end. But for right now, the initial contract was for 10 titles. We have uh, eight of them are locked. And uh, these two will be coming out in just a few weeks uh, or or not even that, two weeks. I I couldn't be happier. It's just it's just presenting a new challenge. I'm going to have to find I do a lot more uh, personal appearances do signings when I can have them and try to let people know that how important physical media is. It's like, you know, my whole channel turned to vapor three times this year and I had to rebuild it. Mm -hmm. You know, if I was in a different place in my life, I could have just walked away and said, I don't feel like I don't feel like doing that anymore. And that content would be completely unavailable. So just because something is on your streaming service or something is on your Amazon or something's on Netflix doesn't mean it's going to be there forever. So having that physical media is really important. And I think people who seriously love this stuff, not only does, of course, physical media a great way to actually have a a real product so you can actually monetize your work. But the other aspect of it is that from a fan perspective is that if you really love this stuff, you know, you're going to want to have a copy. You want to you're going to want to archive it yourself.
0: Sure. And because it's through oldies.com through alpha video. It's incredibly affordable, incredibly affordable to add these to your collection.
11: Disgustingly cheap, <laughs> five five for twenty five. You could get all you get five of them for twenty five bucks. They've got a sale going on right now, five for twenty five. You can get them for five ninety five each, which is still pretty darn good, or five ninety eight each. Oh yeah, yeah.
7: On the website,
11: you know, when all ten of them come out, yeah, you, know, you don't have to wait till all ten of them come out because they got plenty of great stuff that you also would want to have, like the you know, whatever the band cartoons or whatever. <laughs> but <laughs> but they also have a sex pots from outer space, whatever. Whatever turns you on, they got it. <laughs> but they've got these this deal where it's like it's it's ten for thirty nine ninety, which is basically like three ninety nine
0: each. So hop you know? on yeah, hop on there, pick up all of Mr. Lobo's available DVDs, then throw in maybe Space Babes Meet the Monsters and then look up some Josh Kennedy stuff and you're set. Exactly.
11: You get your slimoids there you go. You know, there you go. Get them, get them all on there. there you Absolutely. Go.
0: And you're set. Yeah, you're good to go. And there's more coming. So keep paying attention to oldies.com for that. And I'll make sure there's links in the show notes to what's currently available now. Bless uh, you. That's fantastic. And with the uh, holiday season coming up, one of the best Christmas movies of all time is available, uh, hosted by the man, Mr. Lobo, with the Santa Claus Conquers the Martians. I mean, I've talked about that movie here on the show in the past. I love it. And. I can't wait to see what you do with it or what you did with it.
11: Oh yeah, a little dropo for your stocking for sure.
0: <laughs> I cannot get enough dropo. <laughs> <laughs>
11: can't get enough dropo. It's funny, you know, in the episode I did a skit where we did a a fundraiser, you know, a lot of TV stations and news stations they do these like kind of like modeling fundraisers. And so Mr. Lobo had a it was called Socks for Tots where you're supposed to mail a missing left or right sock. You know, a sock that doesn't have a partner, Uh you would mail it to Mr. Lobo and then he would try to match it with one of the other socks that he gets from somewhere else. And then they would be given to someone for charity. A complete, you know, pair of socks would be given to someone else. That was the premise of it. So so you're, you're donating a sock that's in your drawer that you don't know where the other sock goes. So you're just donating that. And then someone else, of course, is donating a sock. And then obviously they all get matched and then given to, to poor kids who don't have socks. But the funny thing about that is we had so many people mailing us socks oh, no. from that bit. <laughs> My children didn't have to have socks for five years <laughs> because people just bought brand new socks. They didn't. We hardly had anyone mail a single sock as what I was asking for the bit. You know, people were like, "Oh, kids need socks," so they would just mail like a giant bag of socks. Oh no! So, so <laughs> we had so many socks mailed to our PO box in those days, and I thought, "Wow, this is incredible." I wonder, you know, I don't have that PO box anymore, but I still wonder if they get socks every time this airs somewhere.
0: <laughs> so, if you watch the DVD, folks, don't send socks. <laughs> oh no!
11: Please do. Oh, do we just <laughs> Yeah, but make sure they're size 13 so that I can use them.
0: Oh, okay. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, man. I feel like we've been chatting for just like 15 minutes, but when I look at the clock, I know it's been a lot longer than that. And that's what happens with Monster Kids, you know? I mean, we just start talking and, you know, it's that shared language we have talking about monster stuff, whether it's classic horror or... Ega, you know, whatever it is. <laughs> we just start gabbing right. about it, and I love it. I want to have you back on the show down the line at some point. Maybe sometime next year we'll pick a movie that we can discuss a little bit. You down for that?
11: Yes, sounds great. Yeah, let's not wait eight years to do yeah, this again.
0: Yeah, no kidding. And where can people find you? Are you going to be doing any more conventions? imagine things are kind of calming down now with the holidays, but anything coming up?
11: And On the 16th of November, I'm doing a uh, Blade Runner event called Future Noir twenty. 20- 19. Ah, okay. Uh, in Bethlehem. It's a Blade Runner fan event that I will be doing in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. Okay. So I will be there for that. We're going to be doing some cyberpunk cinema celebration there.
0: Okay. Right on. And then do you have a home base online somewhere or is Facebook the oh, best yeah. place for people to find you? Or
11: uh, Yeah. No, there's, you know, you, there's cinemainsomnia.com. Uh, the best place to find me, I, most active is probably the cinema insomnia page on Facebook. That's probably the most active place to find me. But there's osi74.com. You know, there's the cinema insomnia Patreon. There's Twitter, Mr. Lobo on Twitter. Uh, I'm the easiest person to find on the internet. So they should be able to. Find me somewhere.
0: Sounds good. I'll make sure there's links to everything that's relevant. So like the Alpha Video uh, website and, and everything else you've got going on OSI 74. Listeners, check out OSI 74. If you take away nothing else, check out the channel on Roku. It's amazing. <laughs> Hopefully that's not all you do. I hope you enjoy the DVDs as well. I've got a couple of Thanks, them here dear. and I've watched them and they're great. So top marks from Monster Kid Radio. That means a
11: lot. It means a lot.
0: They can put take that to the bank. There you go. <laughs> Mr. Lobo, thank you again for taking the time to do this. I really appreciate it.
11: Thank you so much. All systems go.
0: So Mr. Lobo listed a number of different websites and places you can find him online. I'll make sure there's links to everything in the show notes. Bottom line, though, if you have a Roku subscribe to the osi 74 channel now some of the osi 74 content is available online various video services but the network itself is where it's at it is so cool to just scroll through find something to watch and i mean it's just awesome i mean it's i don't know how many times i said the word awesome chatting with mr lobo but i mean it it is Awesome. Mr. Lobo is a great horror host, and once again, congratulations on the Fory Award win at the most recent Monster Bash. I didn't mention this to you, Mr. Lobo, but I have a number of friends who were at the October Monster Bash, and one of them, Terry Mount from That's Terryrific, told me that she did see you receive the Fory Award, and uh, she told me that your speech was quite touching, and hearing what you told me about it, she was right. I hope our paths cross again, sir, in person, but until then, let's get you back on the show down the line.
4: Horrors of Spider Island. Eight beautiful girls and one lone man struggling for survival with death, sudden, violent and horrible lurking in the shadows. Horrors of Spider Island. Out of the night came a fate worse than death. A man's mind twisted, his brain poisoned, with an uncontrollable lust to kill. Spider Island. A tale of terror that will leave you limp. So hideous and shocking, you won't believe your eyes. His hunger for victims was never satisfied. be frightened out of your wits by the horrors of Spider Island.
5: Good evening, Monster Kids. This is The Count. I'm here with some friends to tell you about our favorite board and card game podcast. It's Go Forth and Game. Tom and Ryan talk about all things gaming, with special emphasis on interviews with game designers and publishers. What do you think about this, my tall, gaunt friend? Go forth, game, good! And what about you, my undead comrade? I think Go forth and game is the most entertaining podcast about board and card games that I've come across in 4,522 years. So, if you enjoy listening to two monster kids discuss topics like abstract games, the best family games, game schooling, various game mechanics, and of course, monster-themed games, then you should give Go Forth and Game a try. That's GoForthinGame.com, available on iTunes and Spotify.
8: Hello, we're the Greasy
3: Gills and you're listening to Monster Kid Radio.
0: in this episode I mentioned that November 15th is the uh, toys that made us season 3 watch party happening over at Dr. Tong's I Had That Shop well November 15th is also a special day because it is what one of next week's guests is calling Monos Day. It is the anniversary of when Monos the Hands of Fate was released upon the world and it's important that I point that out because I want to get you ready for next week's show, which is going to be about Monos the Hands of Fate. I've got two guests coming in. I've got Stephen D. Sullivan and Anthony Wendell. Why do I have these two guys coming in to talk about Manos? Oh Well, partly because it's Manos the Hands of Fate and I dare not go to Valley Lodge alone, but It's really because next week's episode is less about the movie Mono's the Hands of Fate and more about how Mono's the Hands of Fate has influenced creative monster kids, creatives, creators, people who want to create their own media have taken inspiration from what some people call the worst film of all time. I take issue with that. It is not the worst film of all time. I've mentioned in the past on the show what I think the worst film of all time is. And I'm going to mention it again more than once on next week's episode when I have Steve and Anthony here to talk about Manos the Hands of Fate, how it's influenced them, and the Kickstarter campaign that Anthony is launching on Manos Day. Because the Kickstarter campaign is not live yet, I can't give you a link to it, but pay attention to monsterkidradio.net because I am going to mention it there as soon as Anthony makes the Kickstarter campaign live. And you know, I'm just going to tease you there. I'm not going to say anything else about it because I think you're going to really get a kick out of what he's cooking up. Check out the Kickstarter link and then come back next week for the episode where Steve and Anthony and I talk about how the film has influenced them. And with that, we are now at the end of this episode of Monster Kid Radio. Head over to monsterkidradio.net to find everything you need to know about the podcast. Well, while you listen, or or when you're not listening, or whatever, you yeah, just just check it out. There are links to our Facebook page, our Twitter account, our Facebook group, our Patreon, our YouTube channel, our T Public store, where you can get your very own Monster Kid Radio T-shirt, or two or three. We've got a few different designs up there. You can find a link to find my book, Monster Hunter for Hire, Volume One of the Supernatural Solution Series, and there are links to Amazon that will take you to where you can buy all the different movies that we talked about on this week's episode of the show. If you use these Amazon links, you're helping out monster kid radio because we are an Amazon affiliate and we get like a penny or two per purchase. Our contact information is monsterkidradio at gmail.com is our email address, and our voicemail number is 503-479-5657. That's 503-479-5MKR. I'll also make sure there is a link to High Tide Recordings, so you can check out Ramalama by Televisionaries, as well as all their other albums and Wow, there's some good stuff here. You've heard a lot of them here on the show in the past. You know, the Delstroyers, the Greasy Gills, those Tiki Phantoms. I mean, they're all great, right? In fact, head over to HightideRecordings.com and tell them that they're great and that Monster Kid Radio sent you. You know, one more thing before we wrap up here. Over on Facebook, uh, this has been coming up a lot lately. With the launch of Disney+, Plus. A lot of us online are talking about streaming services versus cable versus physical media that sort of thing. And, and Mr. Lobo touched on this a little bit, too, talking about how DVDs are starting to become collector's items and everything is streaming now and virtual. And on the one hand, that means it takes up a lot less space if you can just dial up something, a streaming service or two. But on the other hand, you know, it's physical media. And sometimes these streaming services, they don't have everything that you want all in one place. I mean, we're eventually going to see all the Marvel stuff, all the Disney stuff, leave all the other platforms and go straight over to Disney+. Plus. I mean, that's going to happen at some point, which Which is fine, I suppose, but then they've also got all the 20th Century Fox material and whether or not they make it available on their streaming platform or somewhere else, uh, you know, it's kind of up in the air. And that brings me to what I want to mention here. We have a friend of Monster Kid Radio by the name of Christopher R. Mim. You know him. He's been on the show before. He's the incredible filmmaker behind the Mimiverse. He's made so many movies over the years. He's given so much to us Monster Kids. And pretty much every one of his films are available for streaming on Amazon. If you're a Prime member, you can stream his films. Except for the second one, for whatever reason, they kicked it off think he got too many negative reviews there. And once Amazon kicks off a movie like that, there's really no appeals. It's done. You're never going to see that movie again on Amazon's streaming platform. And really, they only get like a couple of cents per hour. Filmmakers don't make a lot of money off streaming on Amazon. One thing that Chris and I and Stephen D. Sullivan and Josh Kennedy and Mitch Gonzalez and Rich Chamberlain and Jeff Owens, you know, we're the monster conservancy, right? And we have been talking off and on over the years about having a place for all of our video content, whether that means Mim's movies and Kennedy's movies and maybe some of my YouTube videos, you know, that sort of thing. Just getting everything together in one place and creating our own streaming service, whether that's a Roku channel or something else altogether. It's something that we've kind of had in the back of our head for quite some time. And I think we're getting to the point now where, one of us in the monster conservancy is going to have to do it. It's going to drive us crazy if we don't. And Chris has been posting lately on Facebook wanting to know what, well, you guys and gals think if there was a streaming service for the Mimiverse. And let's just talk about the Mimiverse for now, because he's the one that brought it up and we don't want to speak for Josh. But if there was some sort of streaming service for just the Mimiverse movies, would you want a, free platform that's supported by ads or would you want a platform that is ad free, but you do have to pay like a monthly membership to have access to that streaming service. It's just something we're thinking about. Drop me a line at monsterkidradio at gmail.com. Let me know what you think. And I'll forward all of that over to Chris. I mentioned the monster conservancy. You know, I don't think I talk about the monster conservancy enough here on monster kid radio. Just go to save monsters.com. And that's going to take you to, The private Facebook group where you can become a fan of the Monster Conservancy. The Monster Conservancy is a group of creators of new classic monster material dedicated to the appreciation and conservation of classic monsters in the movies and anywhere else monsters are found. And again, it is made up of myself, Joshua Kennedy, Christopher R. Mim, Steve Sullivan, Jeff Owens, Rich Chamberlain, and Mitch Gonzalez. If you're on Facebook and you're not part of the Monster Conservancy fans group, I'd love to see you over there. And one more thing before we wrap up, the band, the televisionaries, you can find them on their Bandcamp page at televisionaries.bandcamp.com. I'll make sure there's a link in the show notes. And from here, you can find links to three shows they have coming up in the near future. At the end of this month, on November 29th, they're going to be playing at Venus in Furs in Brooklyn, New York. The next day, on November 30th, they'll be playing at the Bug Jar in Rochester, New York. And then next year, 2020, July 31st, they'll be playing at the Lux Lounge in Rochester, New York. If you happen to be in the area, go check them out. And once again... Let them know that Monster Kid Radio sent you. Monster Kid Radio is a registered service mark of Monster Kid Radio, LLC. All original content of Monster Kid Radio by Monster Kid Radio, LLC is licensed under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives 3.0 Unported License. Of course, it doesn't apply to the song Bad News. That belongs to the band, the televisionaries. It is from their new EP release, Ramalama, which you can find over at HightideRecordings.com. Professor Frenzy's bedtime story is copyright Jerry Green, 2019. My name is Sarah Kim Cook. Talk to everybody next week. Ciao.